Yes, hello, I am James Rodens, and today it's the Dubbing Art 328, a very special show. We will have the latest in NXT UK and Goldberg's last WSW match. But first, we're going to have some news, and WWE to Peacock, WWE and NBC Universal announced the partnership Monday that will give the Peacock streaming service exclusive rights to the WWE Network in the United States. Well, the terms of the pact weren't disclosed. But a person familiar with the deal said it runs five years and is valued at more than $1 billion. Under the agreement, WWE will shut down its WWE Network streaming service in the United States in mid-March. And Peacock will license the programming, including the popular WrestleMania franchise platform. So, huge news there. The network, as we know it, is going to change. The thing is, it's going to be a price drop, like and it's nine ninety nine, as everybody knows. Uh, at this moment in time, it's going to be, I think, four ninety nine for the basic package for Peacock. You can get advert free for nine ninety nine. It won't change the deal over in the UK, but I wouldn't be surprised in the next few years that like maybe we see a couple of changes coming to the WWE Network. But what we're going to do first and foremost on this podcast, as we have done this pre really, is celebrate Luke Harper. And we're going to look on the WWE Network, and we've seen celebrating Luke Harper, and we're just going to go through it right now, because first up, is Bray Wyatt the match and you can just see how emotional he is a brother gone he spent more time with him than their fam Cesaro came to Bray and introduced Brody two months before Brody got signed Bray became his friend then the first day FCW they were in Seth's next and he knew him from 12 years started the Ring of Honor and joined his stable so I'll always stick out his eyes left. the first match is Shield versus a really special and set the tone for the new era it's first run from NXT, the previous years, he's faced off. Seth was the archetype. Brody was that of Wyatt's mirror image. And the match is February 23rd, 2014. And what a match it was. I remember seeing Punk Lee after the Rumble. And uh, after being such a fan, wondered if there was anything or anyone I could get behind. And two young, hungry teams. And this is awesome chance before they even lock up. The spot where Harper, German's rolling off the top. And Rollins lands on his feet, clotheslines out, and then suicide dive. He's just sweet as anything. There's also a great sequence with Harper rolling slide outside and a choice near full. Ambrose and White fight off into the crowd. Dean disappeared. The great setup to Harper and Rowan chokeslamming him through the announce table whilst on the other announce table. And Reigns found himself free on one. We get a super up. It speared Harper, leading White to hit sister Abigail. I mean, that's a six-man tag, and Harper was vital to this. There's no doubt about it. Uh, if I was going to have some added picks, my added picks would be the face-off, November 11th, 2013. Weirdly enough, it's Punk and Bryan versus The Shield, and it's interrupted by the Wyatts. It's the first time both teams are face-to-face, and again, this is an awesome chance. The fun note, Cody ran in at the end uh, to chase the team off, of course, from the faces and go on to face. Brody Lee later on in his career, and Seth said that that gave him goosebumps. And then March 3rd, 2014, Raw, Shield versus Wyatt's 2. I mean, some might know, eight nights later, they did rematch on the road to WrestleMania. Shield had been getting more popular and been put on that path. Again, this is an awesome chance. And they did they redid the spot off the top, but didn't land on his feet, but he did for the next two dives, which is maybe even more incredible. It was much quicker due to time, and the story of Dean being uh, too hot-headed. The Wyatt's looked like a more cohesive unit out on Dean. He can't be the glue. You two figure it out, he shouts. Rain Spears rowing over an announce table, but it's our man Harper with big boot to Dean and diving on Reigns to the outside. That led to Bray White pinning Dean Ambrose and going 2-0 up. We'll know that they faced for a third time on WWE main event. Yep, when the show was uh, relatively young, April 8th, 2014, and this was given S.H.I.E.L.D. had officially turned face uh, just after WrestleMania. Fun note, Byron Saxton on commentary. Of course, he's announced duties nowadays. And the Shield finally win. It's a great matchup. 
Uh, and honestly, it's something to check out their WB main event. Just, but back to the next talking head. He didn't know anything um, when they paired him up with Harpo. Put him under his wing. He didn't have to. He was envious of him. He, he said that we main evented five years of his death at MSG. The Wyatts were special. Something you won't see again. Brody was again very tearful. It's crazy to think where they are and it sucks that he's gone. We then move on to TLC December 13th, 2015 versus Dudley's Run Dreamer. It wasn't a bad match, actually. Roney only one put through a table. Braun put two through with showing his strength. The next talk ahead is Randy Orton. He's a special kind of dude. He taught me what it was like to be a father. Orton gets upset. Why? Because he wished he had more matches. He's just not going to be around anymore. Then we get on to the Orton-Harper feud. And they said, let's put on a wrestling clinic. This is awesome chance because... Of Luke, that's what Orton's saying, February 12th, 2017. It was a really, really good match. I enjoyed the storyline as well. I mean, they didn't let Harper have enough single chances. When they did, he definitely delivered. Of course, he lost. Like, they would give him a win. But as old JR would say, he didn't go over. He got over. The next talking head is Rowan. I mean, he was a great man, he said. Touch people at home. He's one of the greats. He talks about Battleground versus Usos. This is one of their favourite teams to face. It was two out of three falls. It was open the show, July 20th, 2014. It just shows you how much Usos have adapted. And they're doing so well since they joined WWE. The Whites won the first day, but the Usos surprise rolled up on Harper. The closing sequence, Harper flew once, but second time caught. And a couple of great near falls here. This is awesome chance again. And credit to Rowan on the lookout where fans celebrated as they counted, and to the double suplex off the top rope on both. Harper had it won, but double splash boosters got the final for a great match there, and the next talking head was Ziggler. And one of his favourite memories is starting a show with Harper in his hometown of Rochester, New York. Ziggler wins and offers hands to Harper, but Harper clotheslines his head off, and the crowd absolutely explodes. We then move on to November 17th, 2014, the Raw IC title match. The fun fact, Seth is all about the authority watching from ringside. They would be facing Team Cena at Survivor Series. Ziggler attacked before the bell and playing that great face that will never give up. Clothesline and the first single title. Ziggler still talking into the next match. It's TLC or Table Ladders, Chairs and Stairs. December 14th, 2014. We get a lad- It's a ladder match and what a great one this was. Um, of course, Ziggler in his hometown. And um, one thing I noticed is that they gave him a lot of opening matches. It's not a bad position because, of course, it gets the crowd ready. But it's just a shame that he was such a reliable hand that they could put this in the position. Um, we get a holy shit suicide dive right into it. Harper nearly broke his arm. Powerbomb and ladder leaned on second rope. You can see the red marks on both men's body. Slingshot busted him hard way on the ladder. Harper set him with eyes wide open. It made himself laugh and the actual universe itself laugh. It's just the little things like this. Ladders are vicious. There's no gift to them. Harper bleeding but pushes Ziggler off and a horrible landing. Super kick one ladder to another on top. And Michael Cole says that these two stars will carry us over the next decade. It was a fantastic. Harper shown in defeat, he can still be sublime. The next talk ahead is Kofi and Xavier Woods. Never talk about legacy. He could do things a man of his size couldn't. The chemistry was off the charts. Harper's son's watching him on. And um, alongside Kofi, and he's saying, uh, I'm winning, how's your kid going to feel? Of course, we go to April 8th, WrestleMania 34, 2018. The New Day versus Usos versus the Bludgeon Brothers. Harper Owen returned to win, but why did they just disappear? They honestly just went away. This was more of a squash than match. And I remember at the time wishing it was great to see all three to compete in a nice long match. But the crowd was quiet, but 
not due to, you know, what was going on maybe here. They had Jim Moore and Oscar lose. So it's kind of, the balloon had been inflated, so to speak. And the talking head then was Daniel Bryan saying he was a friend. And they're bonding over families, of course, making jokes. And he's saying he... And then October 6, 2019, hell in a cell. How up that Harper's last big match in WWE is against Bryan and Reigns. We see a suicide dive wiping out Reigns and taking him out on the announce table. It's a great finish. Um, Harper gets the Hurricane Ronald off the table as Rain Spears Rowan through power bombed him off the two top rope and then three suplexes on Brian who dodged the fourth Reigns with a Superman punch Brian knee then Spear win because Harper will be at Crown Jewel in a battle royal for the last appearance but we're not really counting that the last match in the collection Survivor Series 2015 it's a big deal because it's Taker's 25th anniversary Undertaker asked for Harper and Rowan well, they felt the moment. Brody grabbed him and said, can you feel that? As the Undertaker made his way to the ring. It's cool reminiscent about him and his brother facing the Brothers of Destruction. And that's what Bray Wyatt said in the course of November 22nd, 2015. Is it the match? Rowan double chokeslammed early, then brawn through the announce table, double chokeslams. As Bray's doing the crab, both Kane and Taker set up Tombstone on Harper. Because he didn't win many in WWE. And the talking heads at the end. As I always said, friends are like stars. You might not see them all the time. But you know that they are there. And Nat- Natalia and Tyson Kidd. He said when he was injured. Uh, because of his serious neck injury. Brody sent a video of his playing with his action figure. And it's just the little things like that. It showed you the man. Seth said he was the best. Kofi and Harper. Uh, in you know, talk about being parents as well. And he would be the Mount Rushmore of dads. Orton said he was one of the kind. Bray said, Brody's the man and one of a kind. Rowan said, you live forever in my heart. Braun misses him. I'll see you one day. And the last thing Bray said was, I love you goodbye forever. Which they always said. And, and that got me. But what a collection. When you talk about the emotion. Um, depth put in there. You know, the matches themselves really do stand out and show what a great talent Harper was. And it is, you know, absolutely horrible uh, what's happened. But WWE can celebrate the life and you just see what it meant to him. You know, a lot of people, and it has been said, you know, when someone dies that maybe there always seems to be nice. But I think in Harper's case, you know, Brody Lee's case, that was true. Um, but I would say also, if uh, you're interested in Luke Harper's career in WWE, November 7th, 2012. Uh, we go to NXT. It's weird to see Jason Jordan with hair, actually. It's Harper's NXT debut. Bray with a wicked introduction. And a fun fact. McIntyre lost a Fatal 4-Way number one contendership match on the same show. As well as Roman Reigns doing a promo about his first win in NXT. And on May 8th, uh, 2013, we got Wyatt's versus Bo and Neville, that's right, Bo Dallas and Neville were tag team champions at one point. It was the first gold, and Harper gets the pin with the clothesline. And then July 8th, 2013, Raw, the Wyatt family debut, all on celebrating Harper on the network playlist as well, if you want to check it out there. Also from AEW, the dog collar match. Um, and of course, the last episode, we reviewed AEW Brody Lee tribute. And of course, the AEW store released a t-shirt in memory of Brody Lee, with all the fit in the Huber family. In less than two hours, it set a new record for most shirts sold within 24 hours, breaking Sting's previous record. In under 
four hours, it became the highest selling T-shirt of 2020, breaking Orange Cassidy's record. And then the New Day, a lovely dedication for Harper on Feel the Power Pod. We've got Cesare Breeze, Rowan joined New Day, and Biggie said it's like losing family. Was still real. It meshed so well with everyone. Didn't want to just say the same. They used to call them dolts and harps. He used to call them harps. He got called dolts. He said it's negative things, but it's just a joke. They all came through development at the same time. Biggie thanks Rowan as well. Rowan was depressed and Harper helped. Cesaro met Brody Lee in five. Rowan with face slapping. Um, there's some really great stuff here. The mix between laughs and the more serious stuff, of course, uh, that we know. Biggie said it's best when people die. It wasn't always nice, but with Harper, they didn't attend. Love to the wife and family. It was so sincere. And he will be missed, there's no doubt about that. Speaking of missed, WWE Network have just added my way, the life and legacy of Pat Patson, uh, which will look at next month uh, when we kind of have a little roundup of stuff and also untold AJ Styles Royal Rumble debut. This was a great little programme as AJ, of course, made his debut. And it was kind of, you know, a quick look back. It's a shame WWE don't really do DVD rays as such anymore because you can imagine like a three-disc set of AJ Styles, like the phenomenal collection, talking about, you know, having a documentary about his younger life. And this is kind of what you get here. And anybody that's watched TNA kind of knows. It's cool seeing him with the NJPW, um, the IWGP, sorry, heavyweight title, um, you know, and, and having that involvement as well. So it's definitely something to, to look at. But up next, talk about new to the network. We go to NXT UK and we're going to check out December 17th, 21st. There's six episodes. So today's episode of WWE NXT took place at the BT Sports Studios in London, England. And we our first match is NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray versus Isla Dawn. And the thoughts, I mean, don't sleep on the NXT UK women. Nigel screamed, this is a move that beat Brookside. It's a great call as um, Isla got the move on Dawn. And she was full of fire, but Dawn is the ever-present. Submission nearly got the win, but Isla got to the ropes. Dawn had KLR on her shoulders, who hit a super kick and a gory bomb for the win. She got on the mic and said she was the longest-running women's champ in WWE. No one can stand up to her forever is a long, long time. We then get Ben Carter, who's hyped as NXT UK's newest prospect. Seth Rollins trained him. He did appear on AEW Dark, a match we had on the WNR last year. Then we had an Aya video, Tiger vs. Lion. He needs to start from the beginning. Symbolically takes his eye contact out. And then we get Levi Murr and Jack Stars versus Saxon Huxley in a 2-1 handicap match. Huxley dominated, but Murr got a hot tag, which Rock Saxon double-teamed help, and the old breaking arms on top rope to get the win with a roller. Styles with his first win. They both got beat down until Dave Mastiff took the big man out. We found out in three weeks, Piper Niven and Ginny were facing a long contendership match, and Akid spoke about winning the NXT UK Heritage Cup. Volta then came out to say he doesn't represent the sport. Since Scarlett said later on, if both parties agree, Akid will face Volta for the NXT UK Championship at the start of the new yeah, there is no doubt Volta is a scary champ. Can he be competitive against a champion like that? I don't know. It's going to be a big ass for a kid. And then we see Kenny Williams is injured. And he wants to help Amir Jordan with his singles run, but thinks they shouldn't focus on the tag team stuff going forward. Trent Seven was interviewed about the Heritage Cup. He's taken some time to reassess his career and work through some things. We then get Rampage Brown versus Josh Morrell. Brown had debuted recently in XUK, but he's been a good worker way back when we saw him at Red Pro. Champ. It was the goal squash. Brown has tons of potential. Nice by Josh lands on his feet, but a clothesline and a doctor bomb got the job done for Brown. 
NXT UK Tag Team Championship match. Gallus, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang versus The Hunt, Primate and Wild Boar. Well, NXT UK has obviously struggled with COVID and no takeovers, but Gallus went under the radar even. Still chance, most likely due to circumstances. Anyway, the match itself, The Hunt attacked Wolfgang right away and took turns beating him down. Eventually, Manoa and drive him into his corner, allowing Coffey to tag in. Dennis briefly distracted Coffey, allowing his guys to back over. The Hunt were firmly controlled as Eddie Dennis played his part of ringside to ensure the teams stayed on top of their opponents. Coffey finally made a hot tag to Wolfgang, who ran wild on both Dennis freely interfered for the referee's back until Joe Coffey ran out and drove him into the ring steps. As Joe Coffey argued with the ref, the hunt went to the top and also delivered a double flying headbutts. Flat Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster then ran out and pushed the hunt off, allowing Gallus to hit the power slam head kick finisher on Wild Ball for the successful title defence. As Gallus celebrated, pretty deadly walked out, looking to challenge the champs. As the team had words back and forth, Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter came out, attacked Pretty Deadly and threw them in the ring where Gallus promptly beat him up and threw him to the outside. The tag team division in the UK certainly looks stacked going in to 2021. Not a bad match and it just shows you how many teams in NXT UK. Move on to December 4th edition of NXT UK and we see Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne taking on Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster for the January 15th edition of NXT. We get a vignette from Tyler Bates, Zaya Brookside, Jordan Devlin, Amaya, Levi Murr, Valkyrie, Tyson Tebow and Flash Morgan Webster as they all wish the NXT UK universe a Merry Christmas. We then see A-Kid is the dawn, Joe Liv and Sam Gradwell and Anna Dennis wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Ginny discussed how ruthless she'd been since the relaunch of NXT UK. Ginny went on to claim that in 2021 she would put every woman on the roster in their place and become the new NXT champion. We then see Dave Mastiff sarcastically read off a list of the presents that members of the NXT UK roster will be receiving this year for Christmas. We then get another round of people wishing us Merry Christmas. And then finally we get Volta vs Joe Coffey from NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2. That all in all, a nice episode to skip. December 31st, and this was another special edition featuring no new matches. We had Gallus versus Only Lorcan and Danny Birch from NXT the 13th of February, and Jordan Devlin versus Tyler Bate, NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2. And additionally, we saw lots of people highlighted in some shape or form going into the new year. In the first episode of the new year properly, it was the January 7th edition, the first bout match between Ginny and Piper Niven. The winner would earn the chance to become Katie Ray's next challenger in his championship. Niven stormed the ring and after the bell rang, she floored the fashionista with a flurry of punches. She sent her opponent out to the ring, but Connors jumped in harm's way and saved the fashionista from a cannonball. His heroic action allowed Ginny to drive Niven back first into the ring. Niven counted a crossbody, but Connors once again interfered. He grabbed Niven's feet and helped Ginny roll her up the victory. I mean, there was good chemistry. It wasn't a bad match, but Niven needs soon. Connor's involvement made this a little bit murky. Backstage, pretty deadly, called Gallus scared. The challenges declared that they're coming for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. In a Valkyrie's vignette, she said she's chasing perfection so she can soar as high as the birds. Next, the Tyler Bate vignette recaps his excellent match with Akid. Bate stated that he realised that wrestling is an art. In his mind, he said that as if it's authentic and real. He will accomplish great things in Next up, Noam Dar interviewed the NXT UK's hottest signing, Ben Cover Sessions. Dar introduced Carter, but he called him Carpenter. Dar asked him about woodwork and shelf designs. Carter corrected him so the show could get back on track. Carter stated he wants to face the best competition in wrestling, and NXT UK is a perfect place to do that. NXT Cruiserweight champ Dalton Devlin interrupted in the segment and asked Dar why he's not the guest on his show. Carter complimented Devlin and his accomplishments. The newcomer challenged Devlin to a match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship next week. 
Devlin and offered to face Carter tonight. And the two competitors agreed to the bout scene and made the match official. So the show's new main event was set as Ben Carter would challenge Jordan Devlin for the championship. I didn't mind this at all with a bit of work. All three men can be main roster ready. Darth showed his acting chops in this one as well. And the second match of the night was a clash of the super heavyweights. It was a bomber, Dave Mastiff, facing the UK's answer to Bruiser Brody, Saxon Huxley. Well, Huxley and Mastiff exchanged nasty blows until the bomber dropped Huxley and hit a senton. Lufez press from Huxley changed the direction of the match. He rocked Mastiff with three gigantic boots. The big man went to the top rope and he hit a diving clothesline. Huxley went off after Max's left arm took control of the match. Massive then rallied with a back drop and he planted Huxley with a big suplex. A giant running cannonball in the corner secured the win. Massive. Well, not just because you grab your head and have crazy hair. You know, I mean, no offence to Bruiser Brody, but you can play deranged a little bit different nowadays. Just ask Alexa Bliss. And then we have Ben Carter versus Jordan Devlin for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship that we're going to watch right now. And Ben Carter coming out here now. And I mean... If you were to look at it, you might compare him to, um, I would say, a Brian Kendrick type. I mean, his style is very different. Anybody's not seen him before. But, of course, uh, we have done the WNIs for Devlin, the Irish ace. I mean, him as well. Let's get into it then. Jordan Devlin, of course, stepped away after the uh, speaking out allegations last year. And I don't think anything's really come of it. I mean... I don't want to be silly here, but someone like uh, Travis Banks, longer employed in NXT UK, as opposed to Devlin. So maybe the charges were dropped, or maybe WB thought uh, they could just move past it. Of course, people like Velveteen Dream, uh, still employed. Uh, and I mean, that asks the question, you know. I mean, Devlin is one of these guys that maybe believes his own hype a little bit, you know. Uh, especially the character in itself, but I don't want to mix the character with the man. But of course, people deserve second chances, so... I think I've got to uh, maybe, you know, give the benefit of doubt in this one. As for, like we talk about Ben Carter, he was on AEW Dark. He had impressed. You know, he could have been signed to Dynamite and he's gone down to NXT UK. And when you think about it, I mean, this is what we're talking about. You know, I've been talking about with a few people. And if we're going to rank kind of um, wrestling shows, then maybe you'd go maybe SmackDown at the top, would be fair. Dynamite would maybe be second in that. I'd probably watch Dynamite over... Uh, say Raw, and then of course NXT, and then uh, Impact NXT UK. So NXT UK might be bottom of the kind of list of priorities. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see. And he said he wants to come through and work his way up, and there's no doubt you can definitely see in the early going the, the the technical wrestling between the two men. There's no doubt he's a great wrestler, and then, you know the talking heads when they compared him to the Dynamite Kid. You know that is no joke. It's not like you know that is equivalent of calling someone the next Shawn Michaels. How he does, you know, and Regal talks about the kind of the whip he's got, and this is what's interesting as well. He's kind of got the British style that you see, but through a high flyer. Oh, but Devlin managed to get in. It's the Uranagi and standing moonsault, but only gets a two count. I think Devlin there was trying to surprise the challenger, and that's the thing about coming with someone. Obviously, we talk about the experience of Carter, but making his debut in NXT, he has got no fear. You know, he's not worried about making any sort of mistakes. He's a young talent, whereas Devlin. He's had to work his way up and he knows his defeat. Puts him back where he doesn't want to be. And of course, now Amdar was saying to Devlin he's not even a cruiserweight champion. And that's interesting because Devlin was beforehand, which was a huge statement win. And of course, in anything that's happened, of course, uh, Santos Escobar now in NXT with Legala del Fantasma. But Devlin is, you know, maybe as good as a talent on the show. And now Devlin, the story of him teaching the young guy to respect him as he uh, stands on his hair. And that's all it is. He's not going to submit him with that. 
is sending a message. Let's not forget the titles on the line. Devlin cannot underestimate his opponent. And Devlin in complete control of this match at this moment in time. Carton Lily caught Devlin with a roll up there and catches his leg. Fires back with a chop. Irish rip and then goes for a sunset flip over. But Devlin gets up. Runs him into the rope. Pop up. And just a face first slam down. And Devlin almost playing with his food at this moment in time. And Carter just trying to fight back as much as he can. He's on the apron now. As he caught Devlin's legs. Went for the springboard. But lovely balance. Devlin went for the drop kick. And Carter realised. Springboarding in. Devlin wipes out Carter. Sends him to the outside now. Sends him into the stairs. Nigel McGuinness was saying it was because he wanted to stop him from losing. And now back in. Brainbuster. But Carter managing to get out of it. Still got life. Just a huge uppercut by Devlin. Sending Carter down. Irish rip clothesline. Carter managing to dodge it. Both men itch. And in the centre ring, both men just collide. One of my favourite moves. Both men just run into each other. You talk about a mid-air collision. But I think for a first appearance on Carter, very, very impressive. And now Devlin with the right hand, but Carter blocking it. Goes for the kick not once but twice, and Devlin managing to move it. And it hits the old bait and switch. But Carter managing to slide underneath the bottom rope. Devlin tries to do exactly the same, but Carter managing to assay moonsault into reverse DDT. The referee's counting. Can Carter get himself back up? You can see the marks on the body. And Carter now is going to try and take control in his first match. Cruiserweight champion corkscrew suplex. Somehow Devlin managing to kick out. But Devlin finds himself in a perfect position. And here comes Carter off top. Phoenix splash. But Devlin moved. And then a Spanish fly mid-air. And it still can get the job done. But Devlin calling for the end now. We've seen this before. But oh my word. Well, what a move that was. Devlin pulled him in. And we see a variation of a Canadian destroyer in the middle of the ring. But again, Devlin not kept down. And now Carter's wondering what to do next. Here he comes. Going to springboard his way in. Now Devlin catches him, though. And Devlin's got the cloverleaf in. Carter finds himself in the middle of the ring, though. He's struggling to get to those ropes. But he's a little bit high on him, managing to get there. Devlin, though, pulls him out into the centre again. But still fighting, showing the guts and determination of a champion. He wants to be a champion here tonight. And Devlin collapses. He cannot believe it. He might have given his best shot. And now Devlin, almost in weight. Cart can hardly get himself up to how bad the lower back injury is. And now look at the kicks in the face by Devlin. Absolutely vicious. Taking it up next level. And there you go. Devlin inside. And gets the job done. But Jordan Devlin may still be cruiserweight champion. A huge statement there by Ben Carter. He's come to play. His first match was a, a whisper away and loses nothing in defeat there. Devlin is, like I said, maybe the ace of NXT. And I think he earned a little bit of respect for Ben Carter there as well. Be interested to see what's next for both men. Really, really good match though. There's no doubt about it. Both men, the styles meshed well. You can see the, the punishment on show there as well. There was uh, no holding back. But we move on to our next episode, January 14th. And the first match tonight was the debuting Shah Samuels as Ed Harvey. He had a tough match on the Iron King, Joe Coffey. The two big Berlin brawlers clashed in the middle of the ring with a heavy shoulder barge with Coffey got the better of. A clothesline sent Harvey over the ropes to the outside. Angered by this, he picked up the mic and declared he didn't come to NXT UK to be called Ed Harvey. He said he was Shah Samuels. 
The name change worked as he started battering Coffee all over the ring. He caught a diving crossbody and slammed the Iron King with a spine buster. But Coffee hit a diving crossbody and a Glasgow send-off left Samuels reeling. This was followed by a best of the bells. Well, why bring Charles Samuels in and change his name and make him... He's as good as Rampage Brown. The interaction with the fans was the best and he proved it halfway through the match and it got me. It was good and I'm glad they've done it that way now. Because in the end he did lose, but he won't face Coffee every week. And speaking of Joe... I just don't think he's got there. Well, backstage, pretty deadly interrupted with Scala and demanded a title shot. Scala revealed that they would face the Hunt, Mark Andrews and Flash, Morgan Webster, Smith in the four-way tag team match to decide who Lumberg K tag team should be. In the NXT UK Performance Centre, the bomber Dave Mastiff faced Brown to a match which Brown gladly accepted. The second match of the night, we saw NXT UK stalwart Taylor Bate facing the Mohican sporting bad boy Sam Gradwell. Gradwell controlled the match early with a wrist lock, but Bate wriggled out of it. Bate would evade and counter Gradwell for transition, a great arm and arm lock. Gradwell counter the clothesline with an STO for a near fall. Bate recovered quickly, and another flurry of reference was finished off with a Tyler driver as the big strong boy got his first win since returning to NXT UK. I mean, Gradwell is ripped. He's got really, really good. Uh, Bate was a good match, and of course, Bate. Is a natural wrestler. Uh, Dragunov is spotted at the NXT UK Performance Centre talking to Jack Stars and asked him to be his first to pass his journey back to prominence. Ginny comes to the ring flanked by Joseph Connors, the fashionista, explains that as a woman of wealth and power, she has connections before stating that she's guaranteeing a title win next week. Kayleigh Ray entered next saying she's beaten everyone and this is why she's a champ, but Ginny answers back saying Ray hasn't beaten her. The scary queen of sorts scares she was beat her so bad that all the money in the world could not fix the damage. She stated that Ray owes Ginny a debt of gratitude. It was her who helped the NXT UK Women's Champion win the brutal last woman standing match for Niven. KLR confidently raised the title while Ginny and Connors left the ring. They meet, of course, next week for the NXT UK Women's Championship. We then get a vignette play showing Eddie Dennison the hunt threatening destruction of Morgan Webster when they meet Wicks. Up next is Volta versus Akid for the NXT UK champion. I mean, first and foremost, let's just do the tail of the tape. Akid's 165 pounds. He's 5 for 8, 6. His reach is uh, 67 inches. Single on platter. He's the first ever Spanish WWE superstar, the first ever Heritage Cup champion. But the man they're talking about is the uh, former Progress World Champion, of course, the reigning ex-UK champion, 650 days. He is closing in on Pete Dunne. 60 metres lariat powerbomb. He's reached 78 inches, so that's 11-inch reach advantage. Six foot four height, of course, so there's a massive advantage there. And, of course, the weight, Volta, is 200 and 91 pounds so 130 pounds difference there i just don't see how a kid can be successful so we've just seen a kid making his way to the ring of course the unforgettable entrance of imperium's leader and nxt uk champion volta a man who beat pete dunn for that championship has beaten everyone in his path the ring is sacred for volta well, A-Kid, obviously, is outsized. And I, I just worry for him because he's a young man for the confidence. Yes, he's beaten Trent, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate, but so is a man across the ring from him. I mean, you would say that Trent Seven hasn't been the same. The attack of Volta, you're going back a, maybe a year and a half on that. And you look at the damage our Dragunov took, not just physically. I mean, physically is enough. You know, physically in that match, the most, the most brutal match in WWE history... But the toll mentally, as we've seen in the fallout from that as well, having to go back and find yourself. A-Kid's a young guy. He's worked his way up. You know, there's excellent uh, promo packages on him throughout NXT UK, you know, talking about how special he is and, you know, what he can do. 
But you just think, you know, it's it's a, the old heavyweight. You know, how how is anybody going to stop Volta? If if Pete Dunne, the most dominant champion, the most dominant man that I've known since we started the podcast, couldn't, be, how is anybody else going to come close? And and maybe this is what it's going to take. But already Volta just closing down the space. We know what it's going to be about. Aikid's want to try to move. Aikid doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want to make this into a wrestling. Got to use his speed. He's got to hope Volta. Makes a mistake. And there you go. See A-Kid there. Avoiding the chop. But even. This is a problem. It's all well and good saying to avoid it. But you know it's going to happen. At some point. In this match. Is how you deal with it. Maybe it's better. You know. I'm thinking. Oh it wasn't too bad. Then again. I would never get in the ring with Volta. And it looks like A-Kid. Was maybe trying to submission in. Volta. Catching him. But A-Kid. Looking for the triangle. Trying to grab the leg. And again now. Volta got the back. I think A-Kid's looking for wrist control. And they're just grabbing the ankle from now. But backed up into the corner. And former MMA fighter is A-Kid. And a kick to Volta. And Volta seemed to like that then. And now he just... It's a smothering technique in the corner. And A-Kid with a chop to the face. Or chop to the chest, sorry. You can see the face of Volta. It'll be like poking a bear. And that is classic Volta there. Grabbing the head of A-Kid. Just taking him down. About the moment, Aikid's not taking a lot of punishment. That was nice by Aikid using the legs to get out. But again, with a man like Volta with size and height, he'll be able to get to the ropes a lot easier. We saw it in the cruiserweight title match as well. Now Aikid, maybe trying to work the hamstrings, trying to work the thighs and the knee. But Volta, trying to use his speed to get out of the way. And test the strength now. Nice bridge out by Aikid stopping it. And now we're going to show a little bit of power. Manages to bridge up with Volta on him. <laughs> A-Kid avoiding a stomp. A-Kid's doing avoid everything at the moment. And again, working low. And now Volta just picking A-Kid up in the corner. And a shot. But no, A-Kid manages to stop it. And he's got the arm triangle on the ropes. Referee's counting. And at the moment, Volta just can't get hold of A-Kid. And maybe A-Kid is going confident in this matchup. And now again, A-Kid exploding onto the legs of Volta. Four or five shots. Now grabbing the leg again, looking for the half Boston crab. And that A-Kid with a boot to the face. And Volta's just saying, bring it. And maybe he wants him to come a little bit close so he can get hold of him. And that is exactly what happened there. That is why he's a ring general. He took three or four shots, knowing it would make him be able to hit the one. And his one shot is more powerful. And A-Kid didn't know where he was there. This is a much... I was going to say, this has turned much more into kind of MMA or boxing... And that chop there sounded like a gunshot. A-Kid is flattened. You would not want to be chopped by Volta. I'm sorry. Ric Flair, yeah, not Volta. And now the STF by Volta. And it is scary dominant at the moment. A-Kid came up with an idea but just got found out. You talk about it, it's not just physical. But it's mental. It's game plans. It's changing things. If something's not going right for you. Oh, A-Kid tried to go for the submission again. But chopped to the chest in a big boot. Referee's checking and, you know, we have seen referee stoppage in the past. And a huge slam down. And Nigel McGuinness just made a great point saying that Aikid's used to Heritage's Cup, of course, because, you know, he won the competition. That's what he's been doing these past few months. And, of course, he hasn't got the chance here. There's no kind of 20-second breaks. There's no kind of round system. But I don't think Aikid's going to use that as an excuse. He's, you know, flying back with kicks and forearms. But, again, it's them um, four or five strikes. And all it takes is a big boot to down Aikid, who... Still got a fight left in there's no doubt. And Volta's just so good because as soon as he strikes, doesn't leave any time. There's no taunting, anything like that. He's right back on his... Well, good news, A-Kid got out of submission. Bad news is Volta slammed him 
onto that top turnbuckle and then chopped the living hell out of him. Now he's got him in the um, 10 beats of the Finn Balor. I thought now just clubbing blows. The brutality of it, especially with no crowd, especially the cameras being so close, but Aiki catches the arm and now grabs that leg and bends it along that second rope. Now drop kick following up. Now Aikid's going to try and springboard his way back in. Nice drop kick down to Volta. And Aikid's trying that submission that he's tried so many times. Tyler Bate tap out. So he made Trent Seven tap out of it. He made everybody else in the Heavens' Cup that he's faced submit. You can see the redness of both men. A huge kick to the back from Aikid. And a slap. And I won't want to get into a slapping contest with the champ. Floors Aikid. And you talk about kicks to the back as well. Picks him up, but Aiken managing to use Volta's momentum. Big kick into the corner. We've seen this before. Trying to build momentum. And he just a Mack truck. Wow. Drop kick. Just folded Aiken. He talk about folding as well. Like the accordion with the power bomb. We get a slow motion replay of the drop kick by Volta, which was just incredible. And then the power bomb. Volta sat down on it as well. But still, Aiken's getting up. <laughs> Well, another chop. I shouldn't laugh, really, but the chop there. So painful to Aikid, now the kicks. But Aikid might be hulking up a little bit here. And slap Volta. Volta went for the chop. Arm got caught. We've seen the submission before. He's trying to get the arm. But now he manages to change it. Going for an arm bar. And Volta making sure. He can't get it, but he might be in trouble with a triangle there. And then managing to roll into the ropes. And Volta's still got Aikid. Oh! A power bomb on the hardest part of the ring, right on the apron. And Aikid may be out here. Volta coming back in. But Aikid, to his credit, palm strikes. Gets caught with a sleeper. Manages to fight it out. It's a bicycle kick. But straight into a lariat. And it is a lariat. It's not a clothesline. And then a chop to the back. And another lariat. And that is job done. I mean, the thing with Volta is that he doesn't really have a finisher because of just how strong he is. I mean, a powerbomb and a, and a lariat will get the job done, and we've seen it there. Another incredible out in Volta is as good as NXT UK champion, I will say, as Pete Dunn now, because he's had to go through such a difficult period. Let's hope we can get a takeover by the end of the year. If not, Volta will clock up another 365 days. There's no doubt about that, because A-Kid came close. Or maybe A-Kid down the line, about the moment, you just can't touch Volta. There's no doubt about that. Incredible performance. Great, man. We'll move on to our next NXT UK and our, our last one, January 21st. We get Rampage Brown versus Dave Mastiff. Well, Dave and Rampage lock up for exchanging headlocks and trying to knock each other over until Rampage dropkicks Dave. Dave comes back with a dropkick of his own before Rampage hits a diving crossbody and clubbing blows before Dave counters a gut wrench and hits a running senton. Dave knocks Rampage out of the air, hits a pump out of the suplex for two before Rampage clotheslines Dave before hitting a back suplex. Rampage then hits a set of power bomb for the pin and the win. A doctor bomb getting the job done again. This was nice hard action. These guys have faced each other numerous. It's the first UK. Right man one. I see Mastiff Moore as a stepping stone in NXT UK. We get a recap of Vault successfully defending his NXT UK championship against Aikid, as we've just seen. And then Kenny Williams talks with Amir Jordan, who tells him here that he'll be facing Tyson T-Bone. We then get Jack Styles versus Aya Dragunov. Jack 
Backs eye to the ropes for a break for the exchange. Wrist locks and flits for Jack gets two off a roll through for E hits a spine buster. E then grounds Jack with a side headlock to his feet and E drops him with a shoulder flop for dropping Jack with a knife edge chop. Jack clotheslines here when he goes for a torpedo Moscow for for bridging German suplex strikes. E then hits a float over suplex to series of German suplex and knees for hitting a suplex into torpedo Moscow and LB and Jack unconscious. Um, I would have won the NXT UK title last year if there was a takeover. So. Um, He's gone back to the start with his first opponent he faced on a brand. He will build under um, until redemption. And both beat the shit out of each other. It's aggressive, not heelish. Because as soon as he uh, got chopped, he saw Volta. He was even apologetic after what he had done in the match. Again, really good storytelling. We get a recap of Ben Carter defeating Jordan Devlin in a match that we've just seen. We see Sam Gradwell. Been waiting, watching a video of Ben on his promo uh, on his phone as we go to the commercial. Ben Carter is a yogurt. Uh, I don't know why I like that expression so much. I just do. You then get Amir Jordan with Kenny Williams versus own. Tarsin drops Amir and hits a running back out before hitting a bat break into a fallaway slam as Kenny cheers Amir on the ringside. Tyson hits Amir in the kidneys, comes back with back elbows before Tyson whips Amir throat first into the bottom rope. Tyson locks in the rear chin and then Tyson hits a back drop before missing a running splash in the corner. Amir then pins Tyson when he reverses a pen attempt by him. This was very interesting. Kenny is actually trying to kill Amir. The undercurrent to the eventual revelation of the split. Kenny putting his partner Amir in harm's way. Seemingly coming out smelling of roses. And Elite Zaya Brookside cut a promo on Nina Samuels. She's going to show Nina what Brookside's are made of as we go to another commercial. We then get a video package for the XUK Tag Team Championship. No one contender fate a four-way elimination match next week. Informed that any Dennis will be barred from ringside during next week's match. We're then informed that Eddie Dennis will be barred from ringside during next week's match. And our main event for the XC UK Women's Championship, Kaylee Ray versus Ginny. Ginny entered the ring with a new assistant, Joseph Connors, by her side. Kaylee Ray came in like the competent XC UK champion. She's been for 500 plus days. A fierce lockup at the start showed the animosity between champion and challenger. Ray took control with an armbar, but Ginny counted with her own version of the hold. They broke free and exchanged a flurry of offense. Ray hit a front face suplex for the first two count. Ray went up top but missed a dropkick attempt, attempt landing awkwardly on her knee. Ginny instantly seized the advantage and exploited it with an arm dragon. The action went outside where Ginny would inflict more punishment K women's champion. We see Ray hit another superkick in DDT before transitioning to the Koji clutch, which caused Ginny to fade. Seeing that the fashion eater was going to tap out, Ray went for the gory bum, but Connors distracted her. This allowed Ginny to hit a turnbuckle scissors face buster, which seemingly had the match won. However... Referee saw Connors try to hold Kaylee uh, Ray's feet down, which resulted in being thrown out of the match. And before Connors left, he took the salt, which caused Ray to leave the ring and spin it around to plant a strike to the chops. This attack allowed Ginny to grab the title. Back in the ring, Ginny tried to hit Ray with the title, but the champion ducked. The referee took the championship away from the Ray hit the goal bomb for the win. In your historic NXT UK Championship reign. All in all, NXT UK is really, really enjoyable. And yes, it might not be NJPW. There might be other ones like MLW people are talking about, AEW. But NXT UK has got some great talent. We've seen it with Jordan Devlin. We've seen it with Ben Carter. Um, people like Noam Dar there. Sam Gradwell is a great character. Dave Mastiff uh, and, of course, Rampage Brown. And then you get to the main event place, you know, people like Volta, Tyler Bate, and of course, Ia Dragunov, uh, Kaylee Ray, Piper Niven. We know it's building to takeovers. We know it should be Kaylee Ray versus Piper Niven. We know it should be Ia Dragunov versus Volta. But we're going to get that when we deserve it in front of a crowd. It's kind of like then, now, and forever, really, because we used to do that back in the early days of the podcast, and we've talked about 
the life of Luke Harper early on. We've had NXT UK, and now we've got WCW Sin. Because, yes, 20 years ago, WCW was on the home stretch, so to speak, the final stretch before they closed their doors for good. They would have a couple of pay-per-view events, and WCW Sin was January 2001. And it was a very historic night in WCW for two major reasons. WCW Sin was not only Goldberg's last appearance in World Championship Wrestling, but also Sid Vicious's as well. While Goldberg losing his match and being forced into an early retirement was all storyline, Sid Vicious accidentally... <laughs> actually ended up fracturing his leg live in the main event in the most gruesome fashion that still gets referenced today by wrestling fans anytime something similar happens in the world of sports. The end of Goldberg's WWE career was all at the hands of Totally Buff due to a stipulation. If Goldberg's winning streak was broken, he must retire. Normally a team consisting of Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell wouldn't pose much of a threat to a beast like Goldberg. He was saddled with the Sarge as his tag team partner. But a fan spraying mace in the eyes of the man made him vulnerable to a super blockbuster, losing the match. The original idea was to have Goldberg off television for a while as WWE had just been taken over by Eric Bischoff. Due to the sale with Fusion Media, there were fears that Goldberg was actually going ahead with his WWE title angle due to some sort of clause in his contract that allowed him to sort of legally get out of his employment. The ownership with WWE changed hands. But it seems like most people around the time thought it was all a ploy for ratings. With Goldberg gone and Hulk Hogan's name being brought up more and more to be involved with the company once again, it was the idea of having both return at sea. Carl Bischoff could easily play to help sell WWE. Holson, however, we never got to sleep to Turner, putting WWE off television together. The infamous Sid leg break that we all can't get, no matter how hard we try. The actual injury itself wasn't shown during the pay-per-view live due to the cameras being on Road Warrior Apple feeling himself to be the mystery opponent at almost the exact moment but Tony's funny and Scott Hudson reviewed the clip the following night on Nitro the whole idea of Sid doing a top right big boot is actually insane for its own tent but apparently his spot was cut by Sid himself beforehand WWE cuts his pay off the injury eventually terminated because the one by the time Vincent Mann um, had bought out WWE turn and still paid out guaranteed contracts this led to Sid suing his former employee for negligence and Corpade felt pressured by the man Eric Bischoff who was just put in charge of booking during his fusing era, Johnny, a.k.a. Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis. In the end, the court side with WSW and out. I'm surprised that Sid thought he had a leg to stand on. Anyway, the WSW Sin pay-per-view in its entirety. We get the WSW Cruiserweight Championship. Charvo Guerrero Jr. defeating Shane House for the title. This was a really enjoyable commentary team with Scott Hudson and Tony Schiavone worked really well. And if Ronjan Weller, usual partner Mark Madden was, he'd recently be fired, basically telling the truth about what a dismal state the company was in. Charvo is a serious champ and Hell's playing a good underdog in this one. We then get Reno defeating Big Vito, uh, brother versus brother. Oh, brother. Not too bad, though. Reno won with crossroads. Yes, that move. Uh, the Young Dragons, Kaz Hayashi and Young Yang, defeat Evan Courageous and Jamie Noble. This was enjoyable stuff. It was good stuff. I'm, I'm actually panicking because I'm thinking, uh, I thought it was going to be bad coming up soon. And it's naturally. But then we had the WWE Commissionship on the line. Ernest Miller defeating Mike Sanders. I think enough is said about that, the better. But backstage, Ric Flair and Goldberg watched the early arrival of Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger on the monitor. The CEO made the upcoming match between the three of them and no DQ. Actually meant something. In the previous match, we saw Sanders hit a blatant low blow on Miller and Miss Jones kick Sanders in the back of the head on the official. But sure, Rick, make Goldberg versus Totally Buff. EQ with that done, Rick had Goldberg go over to cut the fans to sign an autograph to take a picture. Being to show on camera. We're going to get a penalty box match. Team Calendar Lance Storm, Alex Skipper, Mike Awesome defeating the Filthy Animals, Conan, Rames, Deer and Billy Kidman. Your special referee was Jim Duggan. Not good for all the talent involved. Storm won thanks to the Canadian Maple Leaf ended a match which sounded great in theory but was shoddedly. Um, just too much going on. And then we get the championship triple threat hardcore match. Ming defeats Terry Funk and Crowbar to win the title. Exactly one week.
week after his WWE Hardcore Championship match when at Sin, Haku made a surprise appearance at the 2001 Royal Rumble. And after that, he formed a tag team with Rikishi. His team didn't last long injury, but they did face Kane the Undertaker at No Way Out 1. And his final opponent in WWF before he got fired on 23rd of July 2001 was Sean Stasiak. He returned to WWF for house shows for a few months in the beginning of 2002. We were too scared to actually fire him. Uh, it was quite an enjoyable hardcore match, but this match was uh, suffering overkill back then, let alone now. We then had the WWE World Tag Team Championship match. The Natural Born Thrillers, Chuck Plumbo and Sean O'Hare defeat the Insiders, Diamond Dust Page and Kevin Nash to win the titles. This match itself was pretty decent with the youngsters working hard and the veterans playing to their strengths. Everything was going pretty well but then WWE had to spoil it with an overkill finish. Fight Flair threatening fines eventually the rest of the Natural Born Thrillers got involved. They did so anyway but this proves just to be a distraction so Lex Luke come out with a chair for some reason. Page took care of Luger while Kevin Nash stood around in the ring trying to actually just wait for Buff Bagel to run in and hit him with a monkey wrench. I had then hit the senton bomb and this was all over. And that was a WWE United States Heavyweight Championship match. Next first blood chain match. Shane Douglas defeat his general Rection to win a title. Could Shane Douglas beat Hugh G Rection? Or did he deserve what was coming? Everything wrong with WWE at this point. Worst match of the night. And then an ODQ match of Goldberg and Bruce lose. Goldberg is fired. Totally buffed versus Goldberg and Dwayne Bruce. Um, it was okay. Not particularly great. Um, you know we talked about that fan earlier. Well, as we said, it paid off here. Towards the end, Luke was arguing with the fan. They grabbed him by the shirt. Goldberg came to the guy's rescue, but it was all a ruse. The fan sprayed Big Bill with mace. Giving Luger and Bagwell the upper hand. Lex put Goldberg on his shoulders. Bluff part of him with a buff blockbuster. And Goldberg's WSW career... Which we saw in his first match versus Hugh Morris is done. And with the match over, defeated Goldberg struggled to get to his feet before struggling to the back. WWE for good. Um, Tony Schiavone was selling it as it was kind of like the most shocking thing. But it was WWE in 2001. No one really cared. And then the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match, four corners. Scott Steiner defeating Jeff Jarrett. That's J-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T. Sid Vicious and a mystery man, which turned out to be Road Warrior uh, Animal. And he said horrible, which maybe would have been better. The main event was beyond awful, not because of anything that happened. Sid's leg, not even because Road Warrior Animal was the biggest disappointing reveal uh, in ever. Even though he did get a kind of Road Warrior pop, um, the... This was horrible way WWE handled the injury to Sid and the finish. They should have gone out there and improvised. Instead, they kept in the ring and even had to start to kick him up. It was really hard to watch. Do you know on that? This was actually a decent show with a really enjoyable undercard. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. My match of the night was the tag team match. And my person is Sid for still being around. But that is it now. We hope you enjoyed listening to the show today. Uh, and of course... Our follower of the week, as we always have a WNR follower week, is Laurie Young. Don't forget we are across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNR JR. We're also on Facebook and on Instagram. Across all the Google platforms, send us an email at WNRPodcast at gmail.com. And YouTube, we will latest clips and podcasts at the same time on YouTube. is do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Stitcher Radio. Please make it down, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Our next episode is a big one. It's a WWE Raw Rumble 2021. I will be joined by Jaxi Scarlett. Until then, today, I have been James Rowland. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye.